This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Is smoke bank moved in from the north, from the forest fires. And then right behind that was a lot of lightning and thunder, and then the rain hit really hard. More than a dozen mudslides in the interior shut down highways, causing chaos on the roads. I can't believe I won't see my son again. A mother left heartbroken after a son is shot in a road rage incident. Police still hunting for the murderer. Enjoy the beach. I'd much rather be swimming. And if you want to go for a dip, the three Vancouver beaches you're being told to avoid because of E. coli. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us. We start with the major cleanup that is going on in the interior right now. Stormy weather causing more than a dozen mudslides near Cache Creek, leaving locals stranded in their homes and drivers stuck on the roads. This is what the highways in the area look like this morning. Full road closures on highways 1, 99 and 97. Traffic is once again flowing on highway 1 and highway 97, but highway 99 is still blocked. Crews are frantically working to fully reopen the roads. Uh, people living nearby have been assessing the damage done to their properties. Our Tanya Beja is near Hack Creek with the latest. Tanya? Traffic isn't getting past Hack Creek right now as crews are working to clear more than a dozen slides from Highway 99. There's a log across now. A powerful storm moving through the Caribou region Saturday evening triggered mudslides along three major highways, Highway 1, 97 and 99. At least one home near Ashcroft was affected by a slide. Six people were evacuated by the RCMP. Residents of several other homes west of Hat Creek tell us they can't leave their properties because crews are still clearing the mud and debris outside. They've been at the job for at least 12 hours now, but it could be a couple of days before Highway 99 reopens. Everything Ministry of Transportation and Highways can throw at it, they're throwing at it in order to ensure that there's uh, access routes to the lower mainland and to uh, the east from here. And, uh, you know, everything that can be done is being done. Residents tell us the slides of this severity are unusual and they blame the wildfires of last summer for the devastation. Most of it's due to the wildfires we had in 2017. It burned off all the vegetation, took out the tree roots, so there's nothing holding the soils on the hills. So when the big heavy rains come now, it just washes everything right down the gullies. With roads blocked, businesses say they are also taking a hit. It certainly affected our business financially. It's affected my employees' paychecks. They're not able to work when they can't get to work. Um, and it's affected a lot of the tourists that visit us. We understand one vehicle was also trapped in a slide along Highway 99 and RCMP are involved in the search. Tanya Beja, Global News. Thanks, Tanya. Now to the wildfire situation. 
Close to 600 fires are now burning province-wide with more than 40 posing a threat to communities. The areas of most concern are in central and northern BC. We're also getting a unique look tonight at the intensity of the Alkali Lake fire. This is burning near the remote community of Telegraph Creek. These images were taken by a photographer in Squamish flying over the area. He says the pictures were captured when the aircraft was at 25,000 feet, adding that the smoke plume was actually higher than the aircraft. This blaze has now grown to 32,000 hectares. It's destroyed more than a dozen structures. About 150 firefighters are currently working to bring this under control. A similar story near Quinell. This is aerial footage of the firefight where blazes are inching closer to the city. 2,500 residents are under evacuation alert there. Quinell's mayor is now warning people to have their essentials ready to go. And a smoky morning in Kamloops where lightning has sparked 41 new fires. The recent uptick in fire activity has a lot of people wondering how this year's fire season uh, is comparing to last year. 2017, you know, we had, uh, you know, about a, a dozen pretty major fires of concern uh, and some of them reached massive sizes. You know, we had hundreds of thousands of hectares burned by this time last year. Uh, single fires were, were just massive in size. We have a lot more active fires this year. You know, as I said, almost 600 active fires across the province at this time last year. We had about 150. So less fires last year, but what we were responding to were much bigger. Uh, obviously, the impacts were much more significant last year as well. Uh, tens of thousands of people have been evacuated uh, at this point last year. This year hasn't been quite as severe as of yet, but of course we still have a lot of fire season ahead of us. Transportation Safety Board investigators are now looking into the scene of a small plane crash in Abbotsford. The aircraft went down last night near the airport. Five people were left hurt. Grace Key has the latest. Just what caused a vintage plane to crash at the Abbotsford Airport, sending five people to hospital, is now under investigation. The Transportation Safety Board is just starting to gather information, including the timing of the takeoff. There were rumours that uh, perhaps uh, a large commercial airplane may have taken off before. And so there's our, those are the things we like, we'd like to look at to see whether uh, airflows may have been disrupted, that sort of thing. The crash happened 5.30 Saturday afternoon. This video shows the plane just about to take off. Moments later, witnesses say it crashed. He just got airborne and then he caught a gust of wind and it just uh, spun him into the ground. Historic Flight Foundation, based out of Washington State, owns the 1930s de Havilland Dragon Rapide biplane. It went down one hour after the Abbotsford International Air Show ended. It was taking passengers up for a pre-booked flight that was separate from the air show. It was on display here at the Abbotsford International Air Show on our static display ramp. Uh, our static display uh, features dozens of aircraft. Uh, they aren't part of the flying demonstration, but allows uh, visitors to go and explore different types of airplanes. Investigators will look at a number of factors including weather and wind. They'll also do a complete inspection of the plane. We'll be uh, looking at the aircraft and trying to determine uh, if there was uh, anything wrong at the time or how uh, the aircraft is broken up and, and the sequence of the accident. So we'll be able to piece that together. Three passengers are now recovering back home. The pilot and another passenger remain in hospital in stable condition. Grace Key, Global News.
We're learning more tonight about the victim of Vancouver's 14th murder of the year. The family of 33-year-old Willis Hunt struggling to understand why he was shot and killed in what police believe was a road rage fueled homicide. Kristen Robinson has more on what happened and a mother's desperate plea. I can't believe I won't see my son again. Willis Hunt's mother trying to comprehend the unthinkable. I really hope they find, I pray that they will find who did this, because this should never happen here. Her 33-year-old son's life ended under the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge early Friday, after police believe he got caught in a road rage incident that took a deadly turn. It happened so fast when they stopped the car and, um, and he was yelling at, yelling and yelling. Hunt's mother says Willis and a 32-year-old female friend got out of their vehicle, a grey Toyota Matrix near Bridgeway Street, to confront another driver. And Willis just, you know, went behind her and just kind of moved her behind him. And, and that's when a gun came out and they just shot him. Willis died at the scene. His female friend escaped with minor injuries. The suspect fled in a white sedan. He had such a kind spirit. He was a good young man, and he was just in the prime of his life. Cases of road rage homicide are extremely rare in Canada. Legal experts say the suspect, once caught, could face a manslaughter or second-degree murder charge. First-degree murder often requires an element of planning and deliberation, and in a heated road rage-type exchange, you don't have that planning and deliberation. It's, it's a spur-of-the-moment decision. Willis's family urging the suspect to do the right thing. Please come forward. Come forward or anybody who's seen anything, please come forward. Fundraising is underway to help his mother fly home to Vancouver from Prince Rupert, where she was attending the funeral of another family member. It's going to be a hole in my heart for the rest of my life. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Two people have been killed in a multi-vehicle crash in Surrey. The incident happened yesterday afternoon at the intersection of 176th Street and 96th Avenue. Police have confirmed two women aged 54 and 27 have died in that collision that was between a semi-truck and an SUV. Their names haven't been released yet. The road was closed for several hours but has since reopened. No word yet on what caused that crash. A former police officer is joining Vancouver's mayoral race. Fred Harding made it official as an announcement at Robson Square this afternoon. He will be leading Vancouver's first party in the October 20th municipal election. Now, Harding served on the West Vancouver Police Force for more than 18 years. Before moving to Vancouver, he spent three years as a detective with the Metropolitan Police in the UK. Harding started his own global consulting firm in 2016. Oh, there's so much that needs to change. First of all, the, the, the business has been strangled by, uh, these, by the district, by City Hall, has been strangling business by taking years to issue permits. Uh, we've got so many issues. I, I, you can just throw a fishing net out and you're always going to reel in somebody who hates the bike lanes. We have to look at the bike lanes and their position in the entire transit policy of the city. Now, Harding is going to be running against seven other candidates, including the MPA's Ken Sim, former Burnaby NDP MP Kennedy Stewart, who is running as an independent, and Vision Vancouver's Ian Campbell. 
More bad news for Vancouver beachgoers. Three popular summer spots have now been closed to swimming. This is due to unsafe levels of E. coli bacteria in the water. As Jill Bennett now reports, Sunset Beach is off limits again, along with two other new beaches. Even though it's cloudy, an August afternoon would usually see more people heading to Vancouver beaches. I probably wouldn't think about it. If there was no signs, I'd probably go in there. I wouldn't question it. It's the ocean, you would think it should be safe. <laughs> but three beaches, English Bay, Sunset and Jericho, have again been deemed not suitable for swimming because of high bacteria levels, meaning one of summer's favourite pastimes isn't happening. Personally, I probably wouldn't let my daughter swim in it now. The Vancouver Coastal Health Authority issued the advisory using Canadian Recreational Water Quality Guidelines. They recommend a level of less than 200 E. coli bacteria per 100 milliliters of water for primary contact recreational activities. Those include swimming, surfing, water skiing, anything where the whole body or face is immersed or wetted, and where water will likely be swallowed. This is the, the first annual poop skim. While some are joking about it, they also have a plan. I just shower afterwards, don't drink it. Other residents say while they would rather be swimming, they'll stay out of the water until the signs come down. Anytime that there's really dry weather and then rain hits, it, it will wash everything down into the water. So I'm not surprised to see it closed right now. It's because I like to go swimming. So I definitely agree that it changes it. The advisory also covers a beach area popular with dogs. I definitely won't swim in the water when it's like that, but the dogs never seem to have a problem. It's unclear what's causing E. coli levels to rise again. Rain can wash pollutants into the water. It can also be caused by wildlife or animal droppings and increased marine traffic. Anyone who comes in contact with contaminated water is advised to wash thoroughly after. The water is tested weekly throughout the summer. Jill Bennett, Global News. Welcome back. Well, Surrey RCMP are asking for your help to track down a missing 19-year-old man. Calvin Alberts was last seen last night near 82nd Avenue and 160th Street. He's about 5 foot 9, weighs 115 pounds. He has green eyes and typically wears his long brown hair tied up in a bun. He was last seen wearing dark grey sweatpants, a forest green hoodie and blue slippers. If you have any idea of where he might be, do please call Surrey RCMP uh, at the number that's on your screen right now. Now, time is fast running out for the anti-pipeline protesters who have been camped out at Burnaby's Kinder Morgan pipeline. As per the court-ordered injunction, they have less than an hour now to pack up and go. But they say they're not going anywhere. These protesters at Camp Cloud were slapped with the injunction on Friday, ordering them to leave the site by 7 o'clock this evening. A Supreme Court judge also ordered a sacred fire be extinguished because of the dry conditions. And of course, uh, there's a nearby fuel tank farm. So far, the Camp Cloud residents are still there and the fire is still burning. They've been handed eviction notices with nowhere to go. And as a vacate day looms, residents of a mobile home park in Penticton say the situation is becoming more desperate by the minute. Shelby Tom reports on what is displacing the tenants and why the province says there won't be any help on the way. I call it my little shanger law. 66-year-old pensioner Stuart English spent the past two decades building an oasis around his modest Penticton mobile home. But come October 1st, he'll be forced to leave it all behind. Notice of termination and notice of 
to vacate. In April, he and dozens of others at the Delta Mobile Home Park were handed eviction notices. The property slated for redevelopment as an industrial site. Many of the tenants have lived here for decades, paying only $400 a month in pad rent. Since the notices were issued, residents have struggled to find other places to live. That's why we're here, because we can't afford the, uh, the cost of living anywhere else. The uncertainty so unbearable for some, English says people are at a break. Point. It's just tearing them apart, emotionally, mentally. Fearing homelessness. We don't even deserve one, not one ounce of this. And it appears there is little recourse. The park is located on Penticton Indian Band Locatee Land. There has been no compensation provided to tenants for relocation. Local politicians say residential tenancy laws do not apply. There is no jurisdiction that I'm aware of um, to help protect these individuals. English says that needs to change. A new law should be present. It doesn't matter where you are in Canada, that everybody should be uh, taken care of. Do you think laws need to change to protect people in these sorts of situations? You know, British Columbia has laws in place now that protect people um, on Crown land uh, and in uh, residential uh, mobile home parks. Um, but again, when we're talking with uh, ban lands and uh, again with low KT lands, there are no laws in place for that. Leaving some feeling isolated and helpless. We feel so alone. Shelby Tom, Global News. Now, yesterday, Victoria became the first Canadian city to remove a statue of the country's first prime minister. Today, a plaque has been installed in its place. The statue of Sir John A. Macdonald was removed from the front steps of Victoria City Hall early yesterday morning. Council had voted eight to one to take it down. It's all part of the reconciliation process, process with First Nations. The statue has now been replaced with a plaque by the city explaining why they chose to remove it. It is going to stay in storage. This is the, the sculpture, by the way, uh, until the city finds a way, they say, to recontextualize the former prime minister. Some po positive news for the plight of a grieving orca. This weekend, the killer whale known as J35 was spotted without her dead calf. Now, she has spent the past three weeks holding up the carcass, carrying it for nearly 1,500 kilometres. The Centre for Whale Research, which has been tracking her, says despite concerns that J35 wasn't eating enough, she appears to be in good health. She was even going after a school of salmon. Researchers believe the calf's body likely sank to the bottom of the Salish Sea. The cooler weather and cloud cover has meant ideal conditions for a big bike ride on the North Shore. Three, two, one, go! The Cypress Challenge kicking off this morning. Thousands of cyclists powering up the difficult switchback road to the top of Cypress Mountain. The event raises funds for pancreatic research. Over the last decade, all of those who have been involved have raised more than $2.5 million. So well done to everybody there. Congratulations. That is tough, isn't it? That's it's a tough bike ride. Tough. Looks tough. Better go in the low gears going up those mountains. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, and, and we, as I mentioned, the weather, Yvonne, is perfect because if it had been really, really hot today, that might have been 
bit more challenging. Yes, it's a nice break for everybody who was out and about today. If you're not a fan of the heat, uh, uh, we did see uh, in a lot, it's been over just a month yesterday, we reported some rainfall that was out of the airport areas along the Sunshine Coast and hope included within that. Uh, today, we did start off with more cloud cover, but temperatures have been significantly cooler in comparison to the heat wave that we were seeing last week. Out of the airport today, we only climbed up to 21 degrees, as Soyuz into the interior at 25, and the central interior for Prince George at 23. We've had a bit of a break over the past two days, but we are going to see the return for heat. Hot once again and very dry into the interior sections, and I'll have more on that in the timing when we'll see the peak of the temperatures, uh, but be prepared. We're back into some warm weather once again. Well, very summer-like. Yeah, are you missing it? I have missed it. It felt a bit chilly over the last two days. <laughs> really? It did. It was I a mean, nice break. It's still humid, though. I, I actually put a cardigan on yesterday evening. Well, which was odd. It's nice to wear a cardigan once in a while. I mean, you're no British. need in the next couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sports. What's well, it was, fu- it was a fun day. I enjoy watching the golf majors because there's always great drama. And uh, the guy with the most drama in golf, Tiger Woods, was front and center. He didn't win. He came very close. He came second. But uh, everyone was following him. And the roars at the golf course when Tiger's playing, you can feel it through the TV. It was quite amazing. Mm-hmm. So it was really good drama. It was just wonderful uh, just kind of emotion to watch uh, Tiger get back in it. But uh, Brooks Kepka won. It's too bad. He's been really overshadowed. He's one of those guys who likes to kind of keep it chill anyway. But he uh, he kind of took a back seat even though he won. But we'll have highlights and we'll hear from both of them. Welcome back. Well, another show of support for the people of Fredericton just days after a deadly shooting. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has paid a visit to the growing memorial to the four people who lost their lives. And now, as Ross Lord reports, a new profile of the suspects in the violent incident is now emerging. People here are looking for reassurances about their community. And today, there were new attempts at healing. People in Fredericton line the streets every year for the Pride Parade, a show of unity featuring people from all walks of life. For many, the parade has a deeper meaning in the aftermath of Friday's shocking tragedy. It's showing that the city is coming together and that we're behind the people that were victims and that were lost and we're just, we're all in it together. You know, you can laugh or you can cry and I think there's a lot of crying on on Friday and uh, hopefully people come down here and have a good time today and, and enjoy being with one another. There's another show of support from the Prime Minister. Obviously this is a moment to uh, remember the two brave officers who fell in the line of duty and uh, the other two victims and uh, all of their families and the communities. In paying his respects to the fallen, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau joins scores of others who've delivered flowers and other tributes. Trudeau met privately with police force members and their families. With new gestures of consolation come more details about what happened when constables Rob Costello and Sarah Burns of the Fredericton City Police were gunned down after civilian victims Donnie Robichaux and Bobby Lee Wright had already been killed. According to his estranged wife, Robichaux and Wright were packing up the car for a day trip when they were shot. Robichaux has three children, meaning a total of ten children lost parents in the tragedy. Police accuse 48-year-old Matthew Vincent Raymond of shooting his victims with a long gun from an elevated position. A spokesman for the apartment complex owners says Raymond seemed polite and pleasant. But a different profile is emerging. The owner of this Fredericton coffee shop says Raymond was a regular customer, though he asked him to leave after Raymond began discussing the dangers of Muslim immigrants. 
Last night, there was more confusion and more anxiety. Officers with weapons drawn converging at this corner just a few blocks from where the shootings happened. I lived here all my life. I've never seen anything like this all my life. It's crazy. The widow of Constable Rob Costello suggested on Twitter the incident was especially distressing because she was writing her spouse's obituary. Police later said the incident was unrelated. It was resolved peacefully. With funeral services approaching, there will be another opportunity to grieve in a collective way and to celebrate the lives of those who've been killed. Ross Lohr, Global News, Fredericton, New Brunswick. Emotions were running high in Charlottesville, Virginia today. Hundreds of people taking to the streets in a rally against racism on the one-year anniversary of a deadly white nationalist protest there. Police escorted a group of white supremacists through a much larger crowd of counter-protesters ahead of the planned Unite the Right rally in Washington, D.C. The white nationalists gathered in Lafayette Square, just across the street from the White House. We're here for the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Violence or oppression. Activist Jason Kessler organized today's demonstration and the event in Charlottesville, Virginia, one year ago that led to the death of counter-protester Heather Heyer. Kessler says there's a lot of anti-white discrimination in this country. White people should have the same treatment as any other groups. We should be able to stand up for ourselves. Counter-protesters gathered early today in D.C. Many say they came out to make a statement that there is no room for bigotry in this country. I'm here because I am a white person. I don't want to be um, associated with, with the neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and that hate. In Charlottesville, there was a massive police presence to keep demonstrators peaceful. We're here! Heather Heyer's mom urged people to fix what she called a huge racial problem in this country. I don't want other mothers to be in my spot. I don't want other mothers to go through this. Last year, President Trump did not initially condemn the white nationalists involved in the deadly attack. This year, he condemned all types of racism to mark the anniversary. Tony DeCopel, CBS News, New York. A woman south of the border has died after getting a bacterial infection from a dog bite. Her death is the second case related to pet saliva in just a month. Now health officials are speaking out about what dog and cat owners need to know. A husband's heartbreak. I have 43 good years of my life. Dan Larson says his wife Sharon got sick quickly and died in June from a rare infection. The unlikely source, a tiny nip from the family dog, Bo. I feel like you got robbed. The same condition struck 48-year-old Greg Mantifel, who had to have his hands and legs amputated in order to save his life. Just like Larson, he became ill after coming in contact with dog saliva. Their blood infections were caused by Capnocytophaga, a bacteria found in the saliva of most dogs and even some cats. Dog bites mash tissue and they crush the tissue. The bacteria can be inoculated into that wound and all of a sudden you get very sick with sepsis, high fever, low blood pressure. The bacteria is common in cats and dogs, but completely harmless to them. It can impact humans, specifically those with low immune systems, but even then, it's really rare. People most at risk are over 40, have compromised liver function, or have had their spleen removed. But doctors say there's little reason to panic. This is a very unusual event. It's uh, probably less common than being struck by lightning. A rare and terrifying illness, but no reason to give up on your best friend. Steve Patterson, NBC News. 
Mother Nature has been the headliner in Vegas last night. The skies above Sin City were lit up by a lightning storm. It knocked out power in a lot of areas. At one point, nearly 33,000 customers were in the dark and without air conditioning. Vegas has been dealing with wild weather in the last few days, along with wildfires, flooding and dust storms. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. As well. All right, most people say they'll never forget their wedding day, and that is certainly the case for a pair of newlyweds in New Jersey. Uh, but for reasons they probably wouldn't have expected, the couple and their wedding party got stuck in the rising floodwaters following torrential downpours. So a police officer then had to come to the rescue, helping the bride escape from the roof of a car, the officer then managing to help her from one car to another and... The entire time, this poor lady was in her wedding gown. But it's not just them. Another couple seeing flash flooding affect their special day. The wild weather, though, couldn't keep these two from exchanging their vows in the Philippines. The bride happily waded barefoot through murky water up to her groom at the altar. Many areas have been hit with flash flooding from a monsoon made worse by a nearby tropical storm. Now, Yvonne, I don't know when you plan to get married, but if and when you do, I'm guessing that's not going to happen to you because as a meteorologist, yeah. you're going to predict the weather kind of, you'll see it coming. I wish it was an exact <laughs> science. I really, I really, really do. But those are memorable weddings, I would say, and I'm sure they've got fantastic photos. Oh, right. Here's the weather picture that we're seeing this evening. Uh, plenty of sunshine. Uh, we are going to continue to see the heat and it is going to make a return leading in towards the week. Temperature sitting at 20 degrees with a westerly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. High today up to 21 degrees. Um, significantly cooler in comparison to what we were seeing last week, but it is going to bump up once again. We're actually close to the average for this time of the year at 22, and a record of 32 degrees on the Almanac was set back on this day in 1990. Temperatures right now sitting at 19 for Whistler, areas near Hope at 22 degrees. Victoria sitting at 20, inland for Port Alberni at 22, and Good evening into Tofino with your current temperature at 17. Kelowna sitting at 17 degrees. Hazy conditions for the interior sections. Most areas near Prince George sitting closer to 22. And coastal sections for Prince Rupert at 14. An update on the fire danger rating. We have seen a significant amount or of lightning over the past 24 hours. That's indicated for the southern half of the province. Central interior, we're still seeing spots with extreme and high or moderate rather for the fire danger rating. And most areas for the interior still sitting at moderate.
satellite and radar. Not much in terms of precipitation for this evening and overnight. A clearing is going to be on the way. And the big weather picture that we're following is another ridge of high pressure will build in. That'll bring us some sunshine. And the heat is on once again. Most areas, though, we can see that in the future cast, putting it into play. A nice clearing. Coastal sections for the northern half of the province for tomorrow could see a very slight chance for an increase in cloud cover. Interior sections. This will be the weather story that we're following once again. Temperatures bumping up. Wednesday, Thursday into the low 30s for most areas and across Metro Vancouver inland sections will be pushing once again into the low 30s and that'll take us in towards uh, our Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're still into the upper 20s. Most areas for the piece tomorrow, a windy at times, southwesterly up to 30 kilometers per hour. Temperatures up to 27 degrees and still seeing that widespread smoke. White horse unsettled with a chance of showers, gusty winds of up to 60 kilometers per hour. Coastal sections will see some fog patches for the morning hours, a clearing for the afternoon. 18 as the high, and then an increase in cloud cover on Tuesday with a chance of showers sitting at 16. Caribou and Central Interior, 27 tomorrow, three dry days, widespread smoke with a special air quality advisory still in effect. Columbia and Kootenai region up to 28 degrees, warming up once again back into the low 30s for most areas above the average for this time of the year of 28. The Thompson Okanagan tomorrow up to 25. The winds are going to ramp up though northerly with gusts potentially up to 50 kilometers per hour. And heating up Wednesday, Thursday, likely the peak of the temperature is very hot for interior sections and remaining dry. Whistler up to 29 degrees. Pemberton will be pushing closer to 33 degrees. It'll be cooler for areas near the water along the island tomorrow. Victoria will be up to 26 degrees and upper 20s for inland sections. Most areas across Metro Vancouver at that 24 degrees tomorrow with the Humidex going to feel like 29. Inland sections will be into the low 30s with the Humidex. It is hot Tuesday, Wednesday and leading in towards the end of next week, but sunshine over the next few days. Sonia? Great. Thank you very much for that, everyone. All right, if you're fa- a fan of The Rock, who isn't a fan of The Rock? Well, everyone in Vancouver is because yeah. he, he I'm, I'm not sure if this is a PR move, he likes to blow smoke, but he's very yeah. good and people, of course, eat it up. So yeah, this is what happened. Nice. Yeah, last night he reminded his 112 million Instagram followers, just a couple more than you, uh, <laughs> how football shaped his past. He wasn't good enough to play pro football, but in 95 he tried out with the Stamps and his coach back then was Wally Buono. That guy right there, Wally Buono, uh, was my coach when I played in the CFL uh, for Calgary. He was a mentor of mine. He ultimately cut me from the team. Uh, but the reason why I'm saying this is because I so pre- it was such a defining time, and I appreciate that man so much, and I appreciate me playing on this very field. I didn't make it to the NFL, and I wanted so badly to make it to the NFL after the CFL. My point of this is to tell you guys, sometimes in life, something you want so badly, your dreams that don't happen, sometimes they're the best things that never happen. He's so he's so wise. He's so inspiring yeah. all the time. Even isn't wearing he? coveralls, I, I listen. I love the braces. You know, <laughs> sort of do that to them. Yeah. Lauren is good. Move from the rock to uh, rock solid from uh, Tiger Woods. Incredible today. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Sonia. It's not often the runner-up gets all the attention at the and the winner takes the back seat at a golf major, but. With apologies to Brooks Kepka, Tiger Woods casts a big shadow. In the end, Tiger fell just short of winning his first major in a decade, but he gave the golf world a thrill today, making a charge in the final round of the PGA Championship that rustled up memories of his past greatness. Tiger started the day four behind Kepka, but Tiger made a move early, and the crowds followed. It was quite the spectacle at Belle Reve Country Club in St. Louis today. 
Coming off birdie at the second, Tiger's tee shot on the par three right at the hole. The pitch mark about a foot over top of the hole made birdie. That was the first of many loud Tiger roars on the day. He did not hit a fairway on the front side, but incredibly still moved up the leaderboard. How about this shot on nine off the hard pan, sweeping hook to 10 feet, accompanied, of course, by a huge roar. And then... Tiger finishes the job. He putted brilliantly this week, knocks it in for birdie, gets to 11 under. He is just a shot out of the lead. Meanwhile, in the final group, Brooks Kepka out of the fairway bunker. This is a terrific shot. Led to his third straight birdie. Nice polite applause there because everyone's fi- uh, following Tiger. He got to 14 under, did Kepka? Got his lead back up to two, but Tiger at 11 for birdie. Oh my. On the lip, that close to another birdie, agonizing for Eldrick there. Had to settle for a par. Back in the final group, Ozzie Adam Scott playing inspired golf, playing for fellow Ozzie Jared Lyle, who lost his long battle with cancer just a few days ago. Scott got to minus 12, back to Tiger at 13, rolls in his sixth birdie of the day, back to within one of the lead. Now Adam Scott at 13. This birdie ties him for the lead with Kepka at 14. A three-horse race, and it was incredible drama all day. Tiger bogeyed 14, but he quickly recovered. Another dialed-in iron shot at 15. Stuffs it to within a foot, and the roars are deafening. There's just something special about Tiger when he's playing. The roars are very unique to him. Within one again of the lead. 15th hole, Kepka puts the pedal down. His approach is tight, six feet, made that for birdie to get to 15 under. So he's got a one-shot lead on Scott, two on Tiger. And then at 16, after a fantastic tee shot, Kepka again for birdie. So now he's got a two-shot lead. Now at 17, the par five, Tiger's going to need eagle. Birdie at the worst, but his trouble off the tee finally catches up to him, drives it into the hazard, scrambled to make par. But that pretty much ended the dream of winning the major today. But on 18 for birdie, Tiger finishing in style, much to the delight of the crowd. You could feel the energy through the TV today. It was a special day. Tiger on display, walking back to the scoring tent, thousands showing their appreciation. At 17, Scott for birdie to get within one, but misses, and that was it. Scott ends up third, Tiger second. It's Brooks Kepka with the victory. A bit of an odd vibe, very low key for both him and the crowd at 18 after the Tiger excitement. But he's got three majors now, two U.S. Opens, and now a Wanamaker Trophy as PGA champ. Congratulations. For some reason, the majors just get my attention. Uh, every shot is so important and when you're out here grinding away firing at some flags firing at the middle of the greens you just got to be very patient and i always do a pretty good job of that in the majors these fans were so positive all week um i can't i can't thank them enough uh for what they what they were saying out there and what it meant to me as as a player and i was in contention last two major championships and i would never have foreseen that in a year ago and um just so thankful to be here Let's take a look back at the Whitecaps' inspiring performance last night in Portland. They did not have Alfonso Davies out with a groin injury, but they opened the scoring. Kendall Waston's free kick from midfield headed in by Kai Kamara, his 12th of the season, 1-0 Vancouver. Late in the half, though, the captain, Kendall Waston, aggressive in the box, fouls Diego Valeri from behind, penalty awarded. 
No argument from Waston on that one, but this is the way it was for the Whitecaps. Valeri, the reigning MVP, misses the net. What a break. He would score on a penalty later in the second half, but that was key for the Whitecaps because just moments later, they will get their second goal. Breck Shea to the bug, Kristen Tachera, all five foot two of him, but he will head it in for the Whitecaps' second goal. They held off Portland in the second half to win 2-1, a big three points for the Caps, who now have 33 points. Sixth place, Coach Carl Robinson. Loved the effort. But we just don't go under. We just hang in there when, you know, we're bending, but we don't break. And even in the last minute, you know, we after Wednesday night, I think it was, I've lost my days now, um, conceding in the last minute was was tough, uh, but we didn't do that today, so the players deserve a load of credit in there. And it's great when you play against your rivals, the atmosphere is unbelievable, the intensity is unbelievable, uh, and the performance was unbelievable. MLS today, Greg Vanny's Toronto FC hosting New York City FC, down 1-0 in the first half, but Toronto equalized. Who else? Sebastian Jovenko with the quick delivery there, right footer finds the corner to tie it at one. The, TFC down 2-1 in the second half, but they will tie it again. This time it is Victor Vasquez. Toronto played with 10 men from the 11-minute to mark on as Josie Altador got the red card, but they could not hold on. What a strike from Ishmael to Jury Shadri. 3-2 the final, NYC. And Toronto meets Vancouver, of course, in the second leg of the Canadian Championship Wednesday in Toronto. Welcome back. The Odlin Brown Vancouver Open Tennis Tournament main draw starts tomorrow and it features some big names in Canadian tennis. Vashik Pospisil and 18-year-old sensation Felix Auger-Alassim are on the men's side. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino on the comeback trail is on the women's side. And tournament director Rick DeVost announced another name you may recognize on our morning show today. We found out late last night um, Eugenie Bouchard will be coming to Vancouver. So uh, there was some final details to sort out, but uh, yeah, she's on her way, so uh, we're look, really looking forward to that. Uh, I know a lot of uh, Vancouverites and, and tennis fans, and not just tennis fans, any fans will be coming out to watch, so yeah, uh, she'll probably be uh, one of our matches on Wednesday at, uh, at the Hollyburn Country Club. All right, Sydney Crosby watching the final of the Rogers Cup from Toronto. Rafa Nadal taking on young Greek sensation Stefano Tsitsipa, who turned 20 today, but Rafa spoiled the birthday party, wins it in straight sets, 6-2-7-6. It is Nadal's fourth Rogers Cup final. Simona Halep won the women's event in Montreal over Sloane Stephens. And we got some soccer for you. EPL Sunday, defending champs Manchester City taking on Arsenal. Man City stacked with great players. John Stones won... Fourth place with England at the World Cup. Raheem Sterling, another English World Cup player, will give Man City the lead. That made it 1-0, and then they'll put this one away in the 64th. A smashing effort from Bernardo Silva. Man City off to a great start, 2-0 over the Gunners, and Liverpool also won big 4-0 over West Ham. There you go. All right, now it's been a quarter of a century since the phrase... You're killing me, Smalls. Nice. ...was coined. It was 25 years ago when the Sandlot hit a home run in theatres. Now, the cast of the popular baseball movie has reunited at the place where the film was shot. Killing me. may have been 25 years, but when you hit that field... I have goosebumps. <laughs> it sure doesn't feel like it. It's like... Bringing your childhood back to you. Orlando Montoya grew up watching The Sandlot. A million times. We know it by heart. Now he gets to share that with his son, Phoenix. Your 
killing me, Small. <laughs> That's the kind of thing the cast of the movie has seen over the years. It seems like every five years is like a new generation of kids that are picking up the film, and I see little squints and Wendy Peppercorns running around. Met four generations of Sandlot fans all standing in a row together, and that was something special. Most movies don't have this kind of emotional staying power. They think it might be because their on-screen friendships were so genuine. All these guys are like brothers to me, and I think it comes across on the screen, you know, and that kind of camaraderie, like everybody wants to have that group of friends. As these generations gather all these years later, they're thankful for one of those things they can hand down for generations to come. It's huge for me because I grew up with them. This was part of my childhood, and to bring this back to my kids and they get experience now, it's, it means the world to me. Interesting stuff, right? Okay. I have to watch that movie because I didn't see it the first time. No, all right. Um, just before we go, let's just take you to a live shot of the protesters at the Kinder Morgan Pipeline Terminal in Burnaby. Now, uh, these protesters known as Camp Cloud were served with a court-ordered injunction. Uh, that was granted to the city of Burnaby on Friday. They were told they had to pack up and leave by 7 this evening. Of course, we're just minutes away from that deadline. Uh, from what we can see there from that live shot, no real sign of anybody packing up and leaving those structures still intact. In so uh, let's wait and see what happens. We'll keep a close eye on that. And if anything happens throughout this evening, uh, you'll be sure to hear about it on uh, the 11th night. Uh, before we go, a quick word on the weather, everyone. Final look at your five-day forecast. The heat does make a return, so be prepared, especially for interior sections. It is going to be very hot and dry. A range tomorrow between 24, if you're closer to the water, inland sections up to 29. But that 24 degrees tomorrow, feeling closer to 29, getting hot as we get in towards the week. Yay, the sun's back. Get the AC back on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. Good night.